Most holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you. We give thanks to you that you are not only our creator and the one who sustains us, the one who gives us life and breath and all things, but you are the God of our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that we can come as children of God by your gracious work through Christ, giving us the gift of faith to believe on him, to turn from sin, and to receive from you this new life, eternal life in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as we look to your word today, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would grant to us not only ears to hear, but hearts that embrace your truth so that we leave this place not merely as hearers, but doers of the word of God to the glory of your holy name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a lot of terms being thrown around today. Words like authenticity, relevancy, vibrancy, a relationship, even groups of denominations calling for resurgence or revitalization. And these contemporary terms and others like them are being touted today as what is needed in the church. And all these terms are supplemented with certain beliefs as well as methods or, if you will, strategies to attain them. But unlike certain groups of people involved in what is known as the second largest religion practiced in the world today, these people who employ fear and terror and coercion and deception and cruelty to advance their beliefs, as we see and are witnessing in Afghanistan today, the church, in contrast, even during the first century, employed the gospel of Jesus Christ the love of Christ, and their desire to want to reconcile sinners to God through faith in Christ. And they taught these new believers to become followers of the Lord Jesus. As Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, the first Christians conquered the ancient world just by being Christian. It was their love for one another and their type of life that made such an impact upon the pagan world that there is no question but that this is the greatest need of the hour. The Christian quality of life being demonstrated by men and women. That is something to which we are all called 
and something which we can all do. It ties in very clearly to Paul's admonition here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children. You see, we are called to not only to be redeemed and saved by God's grace, but we are called to follow God's example in every area of our lives in the way we think, in everything that we might say and do. For we are his beloved children. And just as Paul exhorted other churches, like the Corinthian believers, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, be imitators of me, he says. And then he says in chapter 11, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. And Paul tells us in his first letter to the Thessalonian believers that they became imitators of him and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Well, how does Paul betray God's children being imitators of God? He says it here in verse 2. We are to walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This means, beloved, that our lives are to be filled with Christian love, with God's love for us. And we are to love God, and we are to love everyone else as we follow Christ's example, who loved us, who offered himself up for us on that cross, the supreme sacrifice who made full atonement for our sins and whose offering and sacrifice was well-pleasing and completely satisfying to God. We, as members of Christ's body, are called to this same loving integrity, exhibiting, if you will, our family traits of being part of God's household as beloved children, so as to become examples of the love of Christ for others to follow. Well, what are the biblical features of this love that we are called to live in? I think the best definition that can be found in Scripture is the one given to us by Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, where we read, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
love never ends. Therefore, beloved of God, everything contrary to these biblical qualities of love must be eradicated, eliminated, if we are to be imitators of God. And that's why Paul brings out in verses 3 through 6 the emphasis of us needing to lay aside, as we talked about last week, laying aside, putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature in Christ. The old nature is being corrupted. And it includes such things as sexual immorality, impurity, greed, filthiness, foolish talk, crude jokes. Paul makes it clear that no immoral or impure person or the covetous, which is idolatry, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. These activities and attitudes should not even be named among us as saints. And that's why Paul encourages the church in Corinth about separating ourselves. But he makes it clear that we're not to separate ourselves from the people of this world. For he says there in verse 10, I did not at all mean the immoral people of this world or with the covetous, the swindlers, or with the idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, to not even eat with such a one. Therefore, as we see here in verses 7 through 10, Paul's admonition is, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What does that look like? What is the fruit of that light? He gives it to us. The fruit of that light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth and trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. This symbols of contrasting symbols, if you will, of darkness and light always depict in the scripture the opposing of the spiritual realm of God and the spiritual realm of the evil one. What we were before, we are no longer. Once we were darkness in the rebellion and of our own sin nature, and it is this evil realm of darkness that is theorizing today about what they call a new morality. They claim that the binary uh, sexual purity 
that was once part of what our lives were supposed to be in Christ is now outdated. And that sexual desires are what comes natural. And we ought not to put legal limits to such practices like the institution of marriage of one man and one woman for life under covenant with God. No, they would rather us participate in some of those things that Paul was talking about, the immorality that is so present in our world today. And I want you to know that what they are proposing by this new morality is nothing but a lie. It is immoral and it is punishable before God. And we need to be careful, beloved, because we're living in the midst of a society that's saying that such activities are okay. They are not. And there is a real and present danger for our young people today of lapsing into such evil practices. And the way that they can lapse into it is by falling into some of the trappings that they find on the computer or they watch on television. These sort of things where they display and, and nicely portray immoral activities is wrong. Paul says very clearly in Colossians 1.13 that Jesus has rescued us from this dominion of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his own beloved son. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins and we have new life in Christ and we need to be living in it as imitators of God. As he says here in verses 8 through 10, but now we are light in the Lord. We are to walk as children of light. In all goodness, in righteousness and in truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. These are the byproducts that Paul defines as children of light. Goodness, meaning what God sees as moral excellence. Righteousness, as God sees rightness. And truth, as against the falsehood that is plaguing our society today. We share in Christ a life by His Spirit, and we are called by His grace and through the truth of His Word to exhibit His nature and desire His purposes as we live for God in this world. That's why Paul says here in verses 11 through 12, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. When Jesus came into the world, he came as the light of the world. 
And that light came into this world and the darkness was not able to com comprehend it because the light was so bright and we are to be children of light so that the darkness cannot comprehend and overcome the truth. In fact, he says that we're not only not to participate in these unfruitful deeds, but we're even to expose them through the light of the truth of the gospel of Christ in the gentleness of wisdom and in the love of God. For as he says here, it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. And that's why Paul is charging us to not take part in it. It's an imperative. It is a command. These unfruitful deeds of darkness. And that's why he told even the believers in Corinth that they are not to be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Paul goes on here in verses 13 and 14, and he says, And all things become visible when they are exposed to the light. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Everything becomes visible by the light. We not only are called to not be involved in the deeds of darkness, we are called to reprove the deeds of darkness. The light of the gospel of Christ, the truth of God's word, is supposed to indeed expose the things that are trying to be concealed so that they can be clearly seen and so that they can be dealt with by the truth of the gospel so that it will lead people to repentance and will reconcile them back to God. And for those who want to continue in sin, we're told in 1 Timothy 5.20 to rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. And that's why Paul in verses 15 through 17 of this chapter says, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Beloved, we need to take even these, at these evil days that we're living and make our lives count for God each and every day. How does he want us to do it? Well, I think Paul gives us three admonitions here. First, we need to be careful how we conduct ourselves in the world. Second, we need to be wise 
in knowing the Lord's will. That means we need to be people of the word. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth so that we may be able to give an answer to those who may ask us of the hope that is within us. These are evil days. And Jesus' admonition to his disciples as he is sending them out is as true then as it is today. He says to them, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. And in verses 18 through 21, Paul tells the believers, as he's telling us today, that we need to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, that is debauchery. That is something that should not be under, you should not come under control of, is the alcohol um, elements that are in the world today. They are not to be the things that control you. You're supposed to be filled with the joy and the wonder and the power of God's Spirit in your life. He says in, actually in three ways. We're to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's something that we were doing during our worship service, was it not? Singing praise to God. Telling God from our hearts, how much we love him and how grateful we are for his saving grace in our lives. How much we want to be all that he wants us to be. But it's also a second way. Because as we are immersed in God's word, as we know what God wants of us, there will be a song in our hearts. We'll have the audible sound of us singing together collectively, but there will be a song in your heart. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And there will be such a spirit of gratitude, he says, a spirit of thanksgiving to what God, for, for what God has done in your life. He says here, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And the fourth, he says, to be subject to one another in the fear of God. It's amazing that these things that are characteristic of us being filled with the Spirit are the same characteristics that are true in his letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 16, where he says that when the word of Christ richly dwells within you, these same things will occur. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, being thankful for all things and subjecting to one another. As we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, 
May this admonition be ours today. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So let us. Let us take on the character traits that we have because we are in Christ and part of God's household today. As God's beloved children, let us be imitators of God by walking in his love, by living in his light as children, in all goodness, in all righteousness and truth. Let us be filled and yielded to the Holy Spirit so that our speech, our praise, and our worship to God is done in a holy manner. And let us have hearts of gratitude, giving thanks in Christ's name for all that God our Father has done for us as we are subject to one another in the fear of Christ. May God make it so in your life and in mine. Yeah. Amen.